With a new coaching staff in place, it's a little hard to determine who's going to be the focal points of the Florida Gators football team, but we're going to talk about it today on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Wednesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports and GiantsCountryBestSide.com. Before getting into today's content, just ask you a like, subscribe, comment, review. Let me make the show better. It's as simple as that. We're going to talk about the Florida Gators focal points first. Offensively, um, I've got three focal points for offense, three for defense. I think it's easy to say that Anthony Richardson is the first focal point. And keep in mind, some of these are going to be player names. Some of them are going to be just a position or a role, whatever that might be. Um, So Anthony Richardson is the first one. Obviously, quarterback one is the focal point of a team. That's that's just how things work, no matter what it is. Even if you're talking about, you know, an, an option offense, quarterback is a big piece there. Obviously, we're not going to be an option offense, but as a passer, Billy Napier's offense pretty naturally mesh, meshes well with Anthony Richardson's skill set and what I think he needs to develop to the next level as a passer because you'll see screens, uh, swings, those little slide routes behind the offensive line, check down tight end, those those kinds of plays where that fits Anthony Richardson's short passing needs. It gives him easy completions that help pick up yards after catch because if you look at Anthony Richardson and we know he's not, you know, he's not Stetson Bennett. He doesn't need easy completions given to him because he doesn't have arm talent. He needs those easy completions because that's going to help open up underneath and over top. So he's going to get those easy completions deep or short, and then that will help open, in turn, the ability to challenge vertically, because you're not just going to be like, hey, just just play off, it's fine, they're not going to take underneath. No, we're going to challenge you underneath and then challenge vertically with Anthony Richardson, of course, again, having one of the most powerful arms in college football. And we had Eden Cummings here last week who was talking about it, and he was like, yeah, like, the the measure of an arm strength of arm strength and arm talent is not just can you throw the ball far it's how effortlessly can you throw the ball far and anthony richardson seamlessly lets that thing fly and that's what we're talking about here where anthony richardson he wants to challenge the ball he wants to challenge vertically we know that we've watched him play he's going to throw the ball deep he doesn't care what the play call is and we obviously he does but you get the point um and he's going to have those quick easy screens underneath passes so Anthony Richardson offensively passing, obviously going to be a big part. Running the ball, he's going to be asked to create plays, whether it's Billy Napier saying, hey, if there's nothing there, take off and run, or Billy Napier saying, hey, this is a designed run. Either way, Anthony Richardson's legs are going to play a big part in this offense's ability to consistently move the ball downfield, and so obviously that makes him a focal point. Then we have tight ends. Uh, I, I mean, tight end one or two, one and two, whoever they might be. Um, we know that with Billy Napier and with Rob Sale, we're going to see quite a bit of 12 personnel. And again, if you don't know what 12 personnel is, one running back, two tight ends, two receivers. Those are your five skill position guys outside your quarterback. 
So we're going to see a lot of 12 personnel. We're going to see a lot of motion from the tight ends. We're going to see a lot of motion in general. Just, just know that that's something we're going to see. So we're going to see a lot of motion from our tight ends. And in the run game, obviously, especially if we're in 12 personnel, they're going to be relied upon to be dependable, consistent blockers. That's done. That is what it is. That's their, I mean, their tight ends. That's, that's what they do. And then in the passing game, we'll probably see them, for the most part, be safety valves. Um, just, just over the middle options that are going to be there if the deeper options or the primary targets are not free and available and open for Anthony Richardson. That cool beans. I, I, I don't have a problem with that. We will see them occasionally challenge vertically, especially if it's someone who has a speed advantage over the defense or a height advantage over the defense. We'll see tight ends challenge vertically because then that will obviously maybe get them into a one-on-one situation that they can more often than not win. And the tight ends, especially in the red zone, will play a huge part. We saw that happen in the spring game with a little dump off to Noah Keeter, I believe it was. Uh, from Anthony Richardson for a touchdown. And we're going to see more more plays like that, more ways to just go, you know what, we're in the red zone. We've got big receivers and Justin Shorter and Xavier Henderson, but it's kind of harder to place the ball out there. Um, so we're just going to let our tight ends do the dirty work in the red zone, pick up the tight ends, uh, pick up the touchdowns, not a ton of yards. Doesn't matter for wins games. And the final focal point here, the slot receiver. Um, you could put offensive line, but that is something that you could put for literally everything as well. And I didn't want to have quarterback and offensive line there, Um, but slot receiver there because, and I didn't want to put a name here because while we could assume it's going to be Trent Whitmore primarily, uh, that's going to rotate. There's going to be rotation of tight ends, depending on what they want to do at that time, or rotation of slot receivers, depending on what they want to do at that time. So whoever it is, or maybe even not slot receiver, just slot in case it's a tight end that's out there, but they're going to be relied upon I mean, for being for going in motion, if the tight end's not going in motion, it's probably going to be the slot receiver. That's fair. Um, they're going to be relied upon occasionally running the ball, but primarily uh, they're going to be a reliable receiver underneath that will, again, occasionally probably challenge vertically dependent on who that is. You know, if it's Trent Whitmore, maybe we don't see him challenge vertically as often, but if we see Marcus Burke go in there, we'll probably see him stretch the field a little bit. If it's Justin Shorter, we'll probably see him attack right over the middle of the field because that gets the ball in his hands over the middle of the field. And he is, I I don't think it's really arguably, but he is the Florida Gators wide receiver one this season. Uh, He is the most talented receiver on the team. And he's, and that's not even me going that we don't have talented receivers. It's us going, he's the only one that's really shown that he could be consistently reliable and dependent. So, He's the guy that we're going to be looking at, and we know Billy Napier likes using a big slot, power slot, whatever you want to call them. Billy Napier likes doing that. We're about to flip to the defensive side of the ball, but first we're going to talk about Built Bar because it's summertime. It is time to get in shape if you have not already, which, I mean, you should have, but again, it's not too late to do some refinement, some tweaking, but you could add Built Bar to your plan to kind of help speed that up because I'm someone who has a sweet tooth. That's very clear and obvious. I've said that so many times. But Built Bar is coated in 100% chocolate, so it hits that sweet tooth. has just 130 calories in most bars, which is great if you're a calorie counter, not me. But the thing that I do count, carbs, net carbs. Specifically, Built Bar, most bars have just four net carbs and 17 
grams of protein. So you don't got to feel bad. It tastes delicious and it is very healthy for you. So it's just a fantastic product to use. Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors too. So you'll never get bored. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order with Built or BuiltBar.com. We have an important favor to ask you. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite lockdown podcast like this one, although probably not, even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about lockdown podcasts. Go to lockdownpodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockdownPodcast.com slash survey, and thank you for your help. Now we're talking about the defensive focal points, and, and that, that's kind of what we're looking at here. And this one, similar to offense, I have one player and two positions. Uh, edge two is the first part that I'm looking at because, yes, obviously, Brenton Cox Jr. as edge one is likely uh, the more important player in terms of the edge defenders and, and playing and being that pass rusher. But I don't know if we could call him the focal point of this scheme. Uh, and and that, that's where I'm getting at with this one because I'm expecting Brenton Cox Jr. to almost exclusively be a pass rusher. Um, I know that we talk about creepers and sim pressure and, and and dropping dns back and all this um they're edge rushers because they'll be stand up um but i don't think that that's what we see with brenton cox jr because he's proven that he could be so dominant as a pass rusher when he's on that i think you just have to go you're doing this defense a disservice if you drop him back into coverage whenever uh, Patrick Tony or Sean Spencer decide to call up creepers. Uh, I, I think that you have to send Brenton Cox Jr. on on that rush. So I think that he's going to be a pass rusher primarily. Um, Edge two also will be a primarily pass rusher, but I'm expecting Edge two again. Whoever it may be, whether it's Prince Lewin Mialine, whether it's Chief Borders, I think are the two most likely guys. Um, they will be relied upon to be pass rushers, and obviously both edge defenders are going to be run defenders. Uh, but I think that edge two, again, whoever it might be, will be kind of called upon to be that cover man when Patrick Tony calls creepers, because I don't think that you could take Javon Dexter out of the pass rush or Bretton Cox Jr. Uh, I don't think you should be dialing back a nose tackle, and so that leaves edge two as the other man in this four-man front that's going to be capable of dropping back into coverage without completely uh, handicapping your defense. So edge two is going to be a very important focal part of this defense. Although again, it might not be the most talented player. It's a big key cog in this Patrick, Tony, Sean Spencer, Ron Roberts, Dave Aranda, Baylor, Louisiana, Florida defense. Um, Then you have the deep safety, which obviously if you call cover two, four, whatever, there's multiple coverages where there will be multiple deep safeties. However, when we talk about the deep safety, we're usually talking about cover one or cover three. Cover one is obviously man coverage underneath with one zone defender deep, and that is going to be your deep safety. Cover three, two corners go deep. In most cases, there's cloud, sky, all all these things. But in most cases, 
It's two corners deep on the outside and one safety deep over the middle of the field. Maybe we can call him the center fielder here. That's that's what we'll say. We'll say center fielder, not even just deep safety. That's likely going to be Rashad Torrance II. We've talked about trading the third as someone who's going to be a big, uh, he, he's probably going to be a very improved player this year because he's going to be playing in a better role or a, or a, role, that better, a role that better suits him. That's not the deep safety spot. That That's box safety. When we talk about deep safety or center fielder, we're talking Rashad Torrance II, who he has the range, He or he is rangy. He can cover a lot of range quickly. He can make a play with the ball in his hands or make a play on the ball. And when we look at a defense that wants to play cover one, that wants to play cover three, that wants to be tricky and, and, and shifty, you can't do that without a reliable safety. You look at cover three, and you look at the, those Seahawks, that Legion of Boom, and it was Richard Sherman Earl Thomas is the two deep guys and whoever the other corner was at the time, because they seemingly changed it every year. Um, and, and that deep safety, Earl Thomas was that center fielder that was so heavily relied upon. Rashad Torrance will be as heavily, as heavily relied upon, but he's still going to be a key cog and a key focal point of this defense. So that center fielder type safety is going to be huge for this defense. And it's going to be Rashad Torrance for at least this year. Uh, I don't think we see him in 2023 in a Gators uniform. I think we'll see him in the NFL at that point, but he's going to be a big, very key focal point here. And the last uh, key focal point of this Florida Gators defense is not going to be someone like, as I told you, we've got one player and there was listed as deep safety. It's likely going to be Rashad towards the second, but deep safety is the important role. If it's trading, so be it. I don't care as long as it works. Um, but this is the one spot where it's like, this is this player. And like I had quarterback for Anthony Richardson. Uh, here, we're talking Ventrell Miller. Ventrell Miller is the guy where it's like, he is the focal point of this defense. This is a, a complete defense, I'll say, where it's not like we're we're super worried about what's going to happen. You look at corner, and we don't know who's going to be corner two, but I can't think of anybody that's worried about who's going to be corner two. I think most of us, except, you know, there's a lot of talented corners here. Uh, whoever it is, we're just going to trust it and roll with it. I think maybe nose tackle two, or nose tackle is the worrisome spot, but even then, not super worried about it. But Ventrell Miller, that guy, you look at the best defenses in college or pro in just football history. Most of them have one thing in common besides a pass rush. Um, that is a middle linebacker who is experienced, who is reliable against the run and not a complete liability in the passing game and has an insanely high football IQ. You could look at, obviously not comparing as a player, but you could look at Brian Urlacher. You could look at Luke Keekley, You could look at Ray Lewis. And you could look at all those guys. That That's going to be, obviously, again, Ventura Miller is not as good as them, but he's going to be filling that role as he's probably going to be our green dot player, the one that gets the play call from the defense, from the defensive coordinator and figures things out. That's Ventura Miller. When you look at that experience, reliability, and just the IQ, that's about enter Ventrell Miller, if you will, where he's going to be a key focal point here. I know that a lot of us have, um, you know, maybe we're, we're very excited for Dewan Black and Scooby and, and all these other linebackers. Ventrell Miller is going to be the, the stabilizer 
of this Florida Gators defense, and he's going to play a bigger role, I think, than a lot of people maybe are expecting at this point, just because we're we're getting so hung up on having all these athletes. But again, this is always a defense that they're going to want to outsmart people. They're going to want to get creative, and you need someone who can kind of keep everything in check, and that's Ventron Miller here. Then we're about to talk about some Gators undrafted free agents that could make their NFL roster this year as a rookie. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. To wrap up today's show, we are talking again about these Florida Gators undrafted free agents that could make the roster. There were a few undrafted free agents, but uh, Malik Davis, Jeremiah Moon, Gene Delance are three that I think will make their roster or could make their roster. Let me backtrack on that a little bit. Not will, but could make their roster. Uh, with Malik Davis, I've said it before that it was no secret pre-draft that the Cowboys were very interested in Malik Davis. They brought him in for a 30 visit, um, which please don't call it a top 30 visit. It's not what it is. Um, but they brought him in for a 30 visit and, and they had him in and I knew it was very clear, you know, why did they bring in Malik Davis? Well, He's a shifty runner. He's a reliable receiver out of the backfield. He could play the slot. He can occasionally go out wide. He's not a complete liability as a pass protector. Oh, wait, we're describing Tony Pollard. They're, they're the same people, but Tony Pollard is better. He's faster. He's quicker. Um, Malik Davis is a type that I think will replace Tony Pollard because the Cowboys are so heavily invested in Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe not emotionally anymore, but financially, they're so heavily invest, invested in in Ezekiel Elliott. Tony Pollard, contract's coming up, probably going to have to get extended. They probably won't do it. He'll probably hit free agency. Malik Davis is a type where I think you want to keep him on the active roster just so you don't lose him, but he could carve out a role as as a special teamer, as a kick returner, punt returner. He could carve out a role as a depth offensive gadget type. You know, the Cowboys especially had Tavon Austin a few years ago barely use him but they kept him there just just to have him just in case they wanted to do anything shifty or they wanted to have a quick shifty type that could be Malik Davis where he's going to be working out of the backfield you can have him as a runner if there are any injuries which tends to happen it's a 17 game season you could work him out of the slot which could happen especially with the Cowboys losing Amari Cooper and offense probably going to change a little bit this year so Malik Davis could find a role as a very deep depth player, probably a 53rd man on that roster, uh, or a potential special teamer. Next up, I said Jeremiah Moon is someone that I'm talking about. You know, he's been injury prone his entire college career, but he's got phenomenal size, great speed, great athleticism in general. He is a freaky athlete. He's always been that. And he's a versatile defender. We saw him play as a down lineman, a down edge rusher. We saw him play as a stand-up edge rusher. We saw him play as an inside linebacker. And right now, by the way, he is listed as an inside linebacker. When he was signed, he was listed as linebacker slash edge. Uh, right now, they're, they're listing him as Mike. Um, but he's someone who got signed to the practice squad. I believe he was the he received the highest bonus amongst uh, Ravens undrafted free agents. And I really think that he might make the roster... Not even that they think he's ready, but that they think he could be an impact player and at the very least a rotational pass rusher or a rotational defender. But if he, if they put him on the practice squad, I don't think that they will have him for much longer. I think some team will add him to the active roster because there are a lot of teams that are going, we need some kind of edge help. We need some kind of linebacker help. This guy could hit both roles and play special teams. 
He's a, he's a high character player. Uh, so I think Jeremiah Moon makes the Baltimore Ravens roster, if not for his talent alone, just to play keep away from other teams. Because again, if he if he makes it to the practice squad, I, I I don't think he stays in Baltimore for long. And finally, is Gene Delance. Um, how do I put this as politely as possible? The Chicago Bears offensive line is one of the worst NFL offensive line units that I've ever seen. Um, I, I think that's the most polite way I can put it. It is absolutely horrid from top to bottom. There's potential there, but they're a just a, a terrible offensive line. And everybody over the past few years who's been in charge of building that team belongs in prison for what they're about to do to Justin Fields this year because they just did not ever really address the offensive line issues. So the Bears' offensive line, terrible. What are they going to do? Have terrible players. But if you're going to have terrible players, you might as well just go, you know what? We're going to have a not good but young and athletic offensive lineman who maybe won't ever be a starter, although that wouldn't super that wouldn't be super shocking to me, but maybe won't ever be a starter, but could be a high-ceiling player. He could become a starter. He could be a depth player. And again, if we're going to have bad players, does his current talent really matter? We're keeping him for the ceiling. And again, similar to Jeremiah Moon and similar to Malik Davis, I don't know if Gene Delance stays in Chicago if he's a practice squad player because injuries happen and things happen where players move around all the time when they're on practice squads. Gene Delance could be the type where practice squad gets him signed to an active roster if there's an injury. Keep him on the active roster. Your O-line's terrible anyway. And that, that's kind of my case for Gene Delance making the Chicago Bears final roster. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with John Garcia to talk Florida Gators recruiting. And it's going to be a goodie. Um, now make your second listen locked on NBA Big Board. Rafael Barlow, Richard Stamen. Sam Ferris and Leif Thulin give fans an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, the latest player rankings, and of course, big boards, which we all love. For Locked On Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports and GiantsCountryofSI.com. And I will see you all tomorrow.